Off the ball. This is News Talk. Now then, you're welcome back. So that never-ending horror story that is mass murder in the United States added another horrific chapter yesterday. An 18-year-old gunman opened fire at an elementary school. It was in South Texas. At least 19 children dead, two adult teachers as well. The shooter was eventually killed by police officers and it is a sequence of events all too familiar for far too long now. Everybody horrified, the usual uh, statements, but still the body politic paralysed by their own cowardice and uh, inaction on the issue of gun control in America. In amongst all the condolences offered, uh, not for the first time, it must be said, it was a basketball coach who seemed to uh, crystallise the views of so many and to register with so many on social media and beyond. So Steve Kerr, uh, well known to most of us, I think, part of the Bulls team of the 90s, coached the Golden State Warriors. He uh, was doing his pre-game conversation with the media yesterday and certainly didn't want any basketball questions. Um, I'm not going to talk about basketball. Nothing's uh, happened with our team in the last six hours. We're going to start the same way tonight. Um, any basketball questions uh, don't matter. Um, since we left shoot around, 14 children were killed 400 miles from here. And a, and a teacher. And in the last 10 days, we've had elderly black people killed in a supermarket in Buffalo. We've had Asian churchgoers killed in Southern California. And now we have children murdered at school. When are we going to do something? I'm tired. I'm, I'm so tired of getting up here and offering condolences to, to the devastated families that are out there. I'm so tired of the, excuse me, I'm sorry. I'm tired of the moments of silence. Enough. There's 50 senators right now who refuse to vote on H.R. 8, which is a background check rule that the House passed a couple of years ago. It's been sitting there for two years. And there's a reason they won't vote on it, to hold on to power. So I ask you, Mitch McConnell, I ask all of you senators who refuse to do anything about the violence and school shootings and supermarket shootings, I ask you, are you going to put your own desire for power ahead of the lives of our children and our elderly and our churchgoers? Because that's what it looks like. It's what we do every week. So I'm fed up. I've had enough. We're going to play the game tonight, but I want every person here, every person listening to this to think about your own child or grandchild or mother or father or sister, brother. How would you feel if this happened to you today? We can't get numb to this. We can't sit here and just read about it and go, well, let's have a moment of silence. Yeah, go Dubs, you know, come on Mavs, let's go. That's what we're going to do. We're going to go play a basketball game. And 50 senators in Washington are going to hold us hostage. Do you realize that 90% of Americans, regardless of political party, want background check, universal background check? 90% of us, we are being held hostage by 50 senators in Washington who refuse to even put it to a vote, despite what we, the American people, want. They won't vote on it because they want to hold on to their own power. It's pathetic. I've had enough. 
Steve Kerr there speaking yesterday. John Gonzalez from Ringer Magazine is with us. Hi, John. Hey, John. Horrific 24 hours in American life once again. You couldn't say it's a shocking situation because there is no shock anymore when it comes to this uh, type of scenario. And that was very evident in what Steve Kerr had to say there. Uh, This, uh, it seems from afar, uh, looking at social media, even on Twitter alone, that clip has 30 million views. So I suspect we're well up on 100 million right across the various platforms. Uh, Steve Kerr has become, uh, it seems, as prominent a voice over the last day or so as anybody in the entire country. Yeah, um, Joe, you know, you and I have talked on this program a lot about what's wrong with America. And it seems like forever there's that intersection with sports, right? Like during the Black Lives Matter protests of 2020, I was on your show to discuss how that was intersecting with basketball. And invariably, when these issues come up about why uh, the many different reasons why America is broken, we end up with Steve Kerr and Greg Popovich being out front and being outspoken. And it's to their great credit. It is certainly to Steve Kerr's credit because everything you just heard from him there is exactly how many of us here in the country feel. Just demoralized and broken and heartbroken and tired, right? Just fatigued by how can we keep doing this over and over again? And how can, as he put it, 50 senators hold hostage an entire country when 90%, even even 90%, and that includes, you know, like, gun-toting, hardcore, right-wing Republicans support expanded background checks. But I think despite the fact that Steve Kerr was out front and saying all the things that I'm glad he said, it's just so very sad that it falls to people like him to voice this, right? It's, it should be obvious. It should be what all of our elected leaders are saying. But as he mentioned, half of the country is led by a recalcitrant Republican right that's beholden to the gun lobby. And because of that, children are murdered at school and it continues to happen. It was interesting, you know, Barack Obama made his own uh, statement, as I suppose all the people in public life do, and Bill Clinton. And uh, again, you know, there must be a degree of fatigue on their part as well. Clinton starts with uh, my heart breaks and on it goes in the usual fashion. Obama similarly. Uh, Obama retweeted two contributions. One was the senator, Chris Murphy from Connecticut, who went viral as well. He was essentially asking those across the aisle, what are we doing here? And the other was Steve Kerr. They were the two that Obama pushed out. And it does highlight this, uh, I suppose, as you said, strange intersection or prominence that sport has. Uh, Care in particular has been a voice for a long time now. I, I, I presume journalists who would have turned up at his press conference yesterday went there knowing full well what he was going to do and, and what he was going to say in effect. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had the opportunity to discuss these issues with him several times. I mean, not just about this, but again, you know, during 2020's Black Lives Matter protests where we would stand off to the side and discuss, you know, the NBA deciding to put Black Lives Matter on the court. And yet you have the preponderance of owners who are donating millions of dollars to Republican candidates that were in direct opposition to the very values that they were trying to espouse uh, by putting Black Lives Matter on the court and stop hate and things of that nature and the hypocrisy. So um, when anything of importance in American life and certainly tragic happens, you can count on Steve Kerr 
Greg Popovich, those two in particular, to step forward and speak out and speak up and use their platform to raise attention and awareness to the issue, which is great. It's fantastic. I'm, I'm thrilled that they do that. It's just heartbreaking that they have to, right? Because ultimately, Steve Kerr can scream as loud as he wants, and, I'm, and I encourage him to do so. But so far, nothing has changed. We are a decade removed from Sandy Hook. And when that happened, there was this push that, okay, finally, there's going to be gun reform in this country. Children went to an elementary school and were murdered. And when nothing happened after that, and this is a point that has been made time and again since then, when, when it was accepted by the Republican right that, hey, there's an acceptable loss of children that we can get past, that's when you knew that this country, we were never going to fix this issue. Mm. We're a decade removed from that. And it just keeps happening over and over and over again, despite people like Steve Kerr or Barack Obama or Bill Clinton standing up and saying enough. You used the word demoralized earlier, and, and that was very apparent in care as well. I think even as he was speaking, he just wanted to say, what's the point in me doing this again, this routine? He was almost uh, at, at the point of saying, let's not even bother, and then just found himself so angry that he had to go on anyway and make his point. And the, the substantive point that he made where he said 90% of Americans do want background checks. I mean, getting rid of guns is going to be a, a precipice that America will probably never cross. But background checks, he did say 90% of Americans do want background checks. And he talked about the 50 senators who won't vote on H or 8. Is that all correct? I mean, the reading I've done is that the House of Representatives did pass this legislation in 2019 and the Senate need to beat the 60-vote filibuster threshold. And it's a fairly evenly divided uh, Senate. So everything he's saying there is, 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 is correct. This has been sitting there waiting for the Senate to act for the last two, now going on three years. Yeah, that's exactly right. HRA would expand background checks to be required on all firearm sales. At present, there are loopholes for gun shows, right? There are gun shows in America where it's like a, a bazaar. You go and people have their, or a flea market, people have their guns on display and you can buy Guns from these retailers without going through a background check. You can also, there are also online sale loopholes. And then there aren't currently background checks required for sales or transferred by unlicensed or private owners. So if I had a gun and I sold it to my friend, I wouldn't have to put my friend through a background check. All of which seems absurd, right? I mean, th this is the way that this country operates, and this could be eliminated by passing H.R. 8, if the Senate would vote on it, but as Kerr mentioned, 50 senators, all Republicans, all beholden to the gun lobby and, and their base that are extremely pro-gun, mm. don't want to pass this because the money keeps flowing. Just this week, Joe, at the end of this week, the governor of Texas, Ted Cruz, one of the senators from Texas, and the former president of the United States, Donald Trump, are scheduled to appear at an NRA, a national Rifle Association event in Houston, not very far from where this shooting happened. Now, who knows if they'll actually go with, go through with it, but that's what we're talking about. That's the level of absolute depravity, the craven politics that these people peddle because the money flows. Mm. That's what they're beholden to. It was interesting. I saw uh, Mitch McConnell was tweeting and it's the usual platitude, horrified and heartbroken, etc. You know how it goes and care made a point of name checking him. I checked the stats 
I knew they'd be horrific and they still surprised me. So in 2020, uh, Americans under the age of 18, so in effect children, teenagers, the number of uh, deaths due to guns in just that 12 months in 2020. I, I saw the answer and then I asked a bunch of people that I came across uh, today, what's your guess? And the highest anyone guessed was 600 uh, deaths from children in 12 months, guns in America. The answer is 4,300 in one year. which did blow me away a little bit, I have to say. So now the leading cause of death of children in the US uh, just having overtaken car accidents is guns. And uh, what's more as well, uh, just the number of deaths generally, 45,000 in one year Americans dead due to a gun. Now, it must be said that includes suicides, which account for almost half of that number, but certainly 20,000 homicides. The scary thing is, John, that 45,000 figure, that's a 43% increase on just 10 years ago. Yeah, it keeps going up. It keeps getting worse. And what you hear, you mentioned the politicians and the same reaction that we hear over and over again, especially from Republicans on the right, is this is a mental health issue. That the people who do these kinds of shootings are broken and sick, and they might well be. But the United States, and this point has been made, but it's important to make it again. The United States is not an outlier on mental health. We're in line with every other developed country in the world in mental health issues. We are, however, a massive outlier on firearms. And you just threw out the statistics there. I mean, can you imagine if you're a child going to a school and it's not just about learning and playing with your kids and developmental uh, things that you would do through the course of being a kid as, as you're coming up through elementary school, middle school and high school. Now you're also doing active shooter drills mm. and finding places to hide. I live I don't know, maybe a half of a mile from an elementary school, and it's beautiful, it's idyllic. It looks out over the Pacific Ocean. I see these kids, I walk the dogs every morning, Joe, and I watch them playing, and they they seem happy. And I think to myself, you know, they don't know that this danger lurks, or maybe they do, and they just have to deal with it. And the, the parents that have to drop them off at school wondering, hey, is today the day that this happens to my kid at this school? And it's just absolutely devastating and it keeps happening because our politicians let it happen mm. yeah 400 million guns owned across the country so uh, per head of population you are you are number one by a distance Yemen is in second uh, on care by the way and I, I don't suspect for a moment this is his primary uh, motivation but just for people tuning in who may not have seen the last dance or may not be aware of his backstory uh, certainly gun crime will have an extra resonance at least his father Malcolm was shot dead in uh, Beirut in 1980s, 1984, I think. Yeah, his uh, father was an educator. Kerr was actually born in Lebanon. And yeah, his father was gunned down by extremists. So this is something that he's spoken about his entire life. I believe he was around 18 years old when that happened. And I can't imagine. Well, I guess I can imagine. You know, we keep saying, oh, this is unimaginable in the United States. It's not unimaginable. It happens all the time. We don't have to imagine it because it's reality. Mm. I mean, Steve Carr mentioned it. We're not even 10 days removed from the supermarket shooting in Buffalo. 10 days later, we're on to another one. Mm. And, and, you know, there'll be thoughts and prayers from the right. And they'll say, let's not rush to blame the guns. And this is about a mental health issue. And don't politicize the event. It politicizes itself. They politicize it. Mm. 
Yeah, it's it's hard to know what to say at a certain point. Uh, you, you could sense that even in in, in Kerr's anger, he he was running out of road, and what what like it was almost a case of this argument is so extraordinarily clear cut. Why are we still talking about it? And and that was his sense of frustration. Um, so I I don't know what impact his words will have. Very little, I presume. Though it did strike me that maybe given his position, if we're all in our own echo chambers, then as a as a sports fan, you may somehow come across you know these figures like Care and and others uh, when they they go viral like this, as opposed to the Connecticut senator, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy or proud of at least, not happy, but proud of Steve Kerr for taking the stand and stepping forward and using his platform. But the fatigue that Mm. he exhibited there is a fatigue I think that a lot of us feel. I mean, there is a portion of this country that despite this event, despite all of these events, they want their guns. They cling to their guns. They don't want the guns to be blamed. But quite clearly, as you outlined, this country has a gun problem. We are far and away the leader in guns in the world. And, that, and you see how that manifests itself. I mean, I, I wonder, you know, you have me on your show regularly. You live in Ireland. I wonder what it looks like from your perspective to see this happening here. Because for us, you know, it's devastating every single time for the, the majority of us. Certainly nobody wants children to be killed. But again, there is a portion of the country that just clings to their guns anyway. And I wonder what that must look like from outside America, looking at this system. And because for me, it it seems like utter madness, but I can't imagine from outside the country how much crazier it must seem because- Yeah, it's inexplicable. It's indescribable. Yeah, it's inexplicable. And I suppose it looks like there are, uh, you know, there's a healthy quotient of sane people held captive. And and, and those lines of division seem to be only getting worse. So it was, uh, I was reading, I started that Barack Obama book the other night and it was interesting in his preface. He just made a point that sort of applies to what you're talking about. And he was talking about how America is, the, you know, the very best and also in other respects, the very worst. You go right back to the Constitution and he was saying, you know, the ideals it strives for and all men created free and equal, you know, kind of a leading light in the world. And yet a few lines down when it's talking about uh representational it's like well slaves are three-fifths of a person you know and, and this is always america wrapped into one yeah i mean that's that's the juxtaposition and the dichotomy there are significant right because there are parts of this country that you think are greater at least perhaps were and now it is so deeply divided i mean i can't i've lost track of how many times i've come on your program and we've talked about things that are only tangentially associated with sports mm. Mm. Right. Mm. I mean, you and I frequently have conversations and it's to your great credit that you have these conversations on your program. But we frequently talk about things that are um, socioeconomic, racial uh, and now, you know, just brutal murder issues that have nothing to do with sports and everything to do with why this country is deeply divided and broken. And sadly, I worry like you know, whether or not it's possible to piece it back together. I don't know. Mm. It doesn't seem that way. It doesn't feel that way in the moment. And it hasn't for a while. No. Uh, John Gonzalez covers uh, basketball predominantly and uh, much more besides, as you can hear for Sports Illustrated. John, good to talk to you again. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Joe.